The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman was born the oldest of five children into a middle-class family. She liked to push limits and hated restrictions and was curious about what was on the other side of the boundaries of her life. She got into acting as a child and thought after college she would pursue it as a career. However, her curiosity took her toward human potential. She wondered why humans would disengage at work and how they could be fixed. And she explored human health and how one could build resilience and well-being. Today, she leads a holistic think tank that combines groundbreaking science and proven wisdom to move people and organizations forward. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Carrie Davison. Hi, Carrie. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. I'm so happy to be hanging out with you today. And we're going to have a lot of fun with this. So, And we have so much that I want to discuss, so I'm going to get right to it. So you became an Orthodox Jew in the fifth grade. Now, this religion led to do a lot of guilt and inability to believe in that you had the right to ask questions, explore, and decide. So how have you moved past this and gotten to a place of being okay with yourself in the world? I think it for me, it's a daily practice. It took a long time. It took a lot of really going outside of my comfort zone and talking to people who saw the world the way I did. I started to meet people who were more spiritual than Orthodox, like Orthodox, you know, adhering to particular really any particular religion, but who were exploring and understanding that maybe there was something on the other side of the other side of the universe. And what does healing mean? And what does God really mean? And so engaging in those conversations, I started to feel that it was okay to expand my perspective. I think that my upbringing in a strict Orthodox community, for me, while there were some amazing things around community and togetherness and unity and and charity and helping people out, I always felt that it was almost too confining And that while there was good that could be done within the group, I felt like I wanted to do more for more people and have more experiences and just really expand. So it's still kind of hard. Honestly, there are times when I still am interconnected with the community and with, you know, my, you know, more spiritual friends. And it's still a tightrope sometimes that I need to walk to feel like I'm taking care of my own needs and also honoring and respecting the belief systems of all those people around me. Because now I have people who believe so many different things and and those beliefs fulfill them and I need to honor that. So it's a constant like checking in, being okay with who I am, being not just okay, but feeling empowered with my own belief system. And at the same time, how do I honor and respect the ones that are still, you know, the people in my life who are still important to me and have beautiful belief systems that work for them? So it's kind of like an ongoing effort, you know, to dignify and honor myself and other people on a regular basis in that space. Because what what is it? You don't talk about religion and politics at the table? <laughs> it's like, 
it is definitely a tightrope because it can be a volatile conversation. And something that we tend to invest a lot of ourselves in, don't you think? Those belief systems. Yes, 100%. It almost holds us safe. It keeps us safe, right? It's that anchor. Because if you if you have something that you believe in that's bigger than you, you know, and they use this a lot in like 12-step programs, right? If you have something that's bigger than you, you can almost, it's almost like you can rely on it. Like you can take off all of your worries and troubles because you're higher, you know, that higher being, whether it's God or Buddha or Allah or whatever it is for you, it almost takes the heat off. So you can function and feel good about yourself and let go of needing to focus on all the details yourself. It's like you got a buddy. You got someone who's who's got your back. And imagine if someone told you, like came up to you and said, no, 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 you're not right. There is no God or there is no Buddha, right? If you had to to like bend your brain up to try to understand and believe that perspective, imagine your whole foundation of like what it means to be human is pulled out from under you. And so I think that it is definitely a charged conversation because if we're allowed to all have different belief systems, then who's right? And that means that somebody's wrong, right? So then this like all or nothing conversation, it's a it's a definitely a charged conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. So I'm going to go back to your childhood for a second. So as a child, you experienced lots of variety by your mom enrolling you in just about every activity. So do you still need this variety today? 100%. <laughs> yeah. You know, I am um, a fire nature of these the five archetypes that, that my work is based on. Fire natured people thrive on variety and they need choices and they get bored easily. They can't really flourish in the face of repetitive activities. So while there were times when I really practiced and and excelled in certain things, like playing the flute or being on the gymnastics team, I wasn't happy enough just doing one. I needed to do the flute, gymnastics, swim team, drama club, stained glass, cartooning, you name it. People who are primary fire do need that. And so today in my life, I have, gosh, my week is such a mix of interesting activities. I see private clients. I consult with companies. I have a nonprofit for kids. I have my own kids. I am my own nonprofit (laughs) as a mom. And then I have my own personal pursuits that I adore. And then sometimes I just need distraction, you know, so I'll do something that has no real purpose in, you know, one of my endeavors, but it releases you know, that feeling of I've been repetitive for too long. I've been writing this blog for too long. I need a break. So yeah, I, my mom must've known that about me. So I'm going to stay in this space for a second, because what I wonder about is uh, with you needing so much variety and for most people, they tend to stay in a pretty linear lane. Okay. And you're out on the, the sides all over the place. Does that make it hard for your family to, to deal with you? And your friends? Or did um, they just come to accept that you're going to be in lots of different things? Yeah, I think that what happens is the types of people who are also like that kind of gravitate to each other. 
So, you know, I was having a talk with my best friend this morning from childhood, and we were talking about how adventurous we both are, that that either of us could just decide on a Thursday that on Friday we're showing, not, not in COVID times, but on Friday we would show up at, a, at the airport and love to like pick a flight to whatever's next, hop on a plane for a weekend with no plan, and just thrive in the pure adventure of it and come home and have like do it again in a month. <laughs> So I think that there's a few things that are interesting about that. There's opposites kind of learn from each other. So I will have people in my life who are um, more directly focused in one area. And while I can't easily incorporate that as like a primary way of being, I know just by being around that energy, it helps me structure myself somewhat, like enough so that I'm productive, Right. I know that I can't be a completely unfocused being and get anything done, but I know that I'm my best. I can access my my creative self and my innovative self best when I do have the freedom to not have to be overly structured. So I have to like strike that balance. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And if not, you get lose focus and get in all kinds of trouble, don't you? (laughs) That's funny. I was kind of, I think. I believe, I got asked my mom, but I believe I got in the most trouble of all the kids in my family. <laughs> but it's funny when I think back to like the kind of trouble I got in, it wasn't like bad, bad stuff. I was the one in my family who like, I always wanted to have fun. And if that meant that, you know, I would tell my mom I was at the football game, but I was really at the party down the block <laughs> just to have a little bit of fun, even if it's like a fine, normal party. I would still, you know, that, that fell under the, the rubric of trouble. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So after years of marriage, there was a point you got divorced and you told me you had to figure yourself out again. What did this mean? And how did you move towards success after that divorce? Well, when I was married, I was in strictly orthodox marriage and in a strictly orthodox community. And upon my divorce, I all of a sudden, the structure, right? We're talking a little bit about structure. The structure that was embedded in my life was was gone. It was like pulled out from my life, the structure around, you know, what it is to be married, right? To go and you do stuff together in the morning. You do your day. Everyone comes home at night. There's dinner. There's recap. There's what are we doing next weekend? So all of that structure was gone. And in the absence of it, there was this kind of open space of what do I do with this now? Like, what do I do with my time? How do I move forward? Like I I had it all planned out, right? I knew what we were going to do when we retired. I knew that we're probably going to follow that path that everyone follows. You know, we would put our kids through college and then eventually maybe move someplace other than New York City, retire, travel, who knows? But in an instant, that whole, you know, plan, that whole structure was upended. And so as far as like, you know, how did I do it? I panicked a lot. (laughs) And when that didn't produce results, (laughs) I started going to therapy and I talked to someone so that I could process what was going on. And she brought a lot to our conversations around like, you know, things I should really be thinking about and focusing on and reading. And so I read a lot of books I started a new position at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, 
where I started to then grow my own new roots. I started to get deep into this idea of healthcare and integrative holistic healthcare. And I started to meet new and interesting, vibrant people with new and interesting ideas. And that really helped me plant my own seeds and believe that I could create my own garden of who I was and what I could become. So it's kind of like starting, well, it was, it was starting over and having to like create a new future that I was in charge of. And it was certainly scary, but I think having the faith that I could do it, number one, and two, starting to actually take action on that faith, like it's knowing it and then doing something about it, getting a job, learning, meeting new people, exposing myself to new networks, getting engaged. And then the, you know, things started to take hold and started to grow. And then all of a sudden, you know, preparedness met opportunity and there's luck. (laughs) Worse luck, exactly. <laughs> That's the truth. So I'm going to go a little bit towards your workspace. So you have a unique ability to see scenes of people's lives. So how have you used this gift to build your business? And what advice would you give to others about using their unique gifts? Well, I've used it in business in a couple of ways. One way in really tapping into my own higher guidance. We all have it. It's our intuition. It's our gut. It's knowing when you're faced with two different doorways or two different paths or a new client. Is it a yes or a no? Is this a good person to work with? Is this a good project for me? Is this the right time? I will use it to to get quiet in a meditative space and ask, is this the direction for my business? Should I use this color on my website? Like I can get that detailed for my own planning. And then with my clients, it's really interesting. I've been told that a session with me is like a year in therapy (laughs) because I can see very quickly what is the motivating factor underneath someone's fixed mindset around a problem. Like people get fixated on like, who should I date? Who should I marry? What job should I take? Those like decision-making opportunities when really at the root of all of these problems is someone who's not aligned and clear and strong in their own purpose. Like they need to go back into that like growth mindset, self-aware space where they can recognize when they're trying to make decisions out of a, like a maladaptive mindset where they're in panic or lack thinking or in fear, nothing can grow there. So if you ask me questions in, in a panic space, you're just wanting to stop the discomfort, right? So you'll do anything like fix it. It's like, it's like, ah, my elbow hurts, fix it. (laughs) Like we don't want to sit in that discomfort. And so we'll panic and we'll ask for calm and peace and like the retraction of that pain in the quickest manner possible, which is not always the best answer for how to move forward. So my work is to move people back into a growth mindset perspective so that they are self-aware, so that they know how to realign themselves with their strongest being and their strongest mind so that they can then ask the better questions. 
Like not, is this the best guy for me, but am I ready for a relationship? (laughs) It's like, am I my strongest self? Can I say no when I don't like something that that person does when we're on a date? Or do I accept things that don't feel good? And what's that about? So there's like such bigger questions. So I'm actually have an ability to see kind of what's behind the the pain points that we kind of perpetuate in our lives and ask kind of leading questions. It's not helpful for me to just be, you know, the IV bag that you're tethered to. You know, I it's it's more helpful for me to kind of help you know how to ask yourself the better questions and how to see when you're not in a growth mindset and see when you're not in that self-aware space. So that's kind of how I use the work for for my clients, individuals, couples, and, and in companies, so that they're empowered with how to make better decisions rather than needing to call me every time they're in a panic. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. Absolutely. So a rabbi once told you to be physically, spiritually, and emotionally pure. So what did he mean? Well, he told me something that I was really shocked about at the time. Now I get it. (laughs) But all those years ago, I had just realized that I had something going on that was really, really different from most people. And this ability to see and feel expanded view of things in our in our life. And I went to this rabbi because at the time I was still pretty orthodox and I, I needed guidance. And I wanted to know, how do I protect myself? What is this? And when he told me to stay physically, emotionally, and spiritually pure, his point was that or we can transfer energy from ourselves to someone else. And at the time, I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> not like my hands are dirty and I touch something against her. Can't do that. And he's like, yeah, you can. He said, if your vessel, like my whole being is mucked with my own unhealthy thought patterns and my own, my own trauma around my divorce or my childhood or anything. And I then go and try to help someone. My help is going to be tainted with that unbalanced energy. And so when I understood it that way, it was hard for me to, like, I felt like I needed to see what he was talking about, but this was almost like a feeling or an intention kind of transfer. So like if you and I, you know, if anyone was going to a talk, any talk therapist who was having a really mucky day, a really bad day, that would probably reflect in our session. And then I would feel like I didn't get what I paid for. And that I wasted my time, maybe, or that I felt worse when I left the room. Same with a doctor. You know, if you go to or a dentist or anyone t- taking care of you, if they're not releasing all of the stuff that, you know, that could get in the way of them giving you an amazing session, it's going to land on you. It's not going to feel good. So, so he said, in order to maintain this purity of intention and vessel kind of with someone, Um, Stay physically pure. So take care of your physical needs with like what you're eating, sleeping, moving, your breath, even your emotions, emotionally pure, like deal with my divorce, deal with anything, any of my traumas and spiritually pure. He actually told me to go to a mikvah. I don't know. Do you know what a mikvah is? No, I have no idea. A mikvah is a ritual bath. It's kind of like in baptism where they dip you in water. 
So it's in Judaism, there's a, a similar idea and there are these ritual baths um, all over really around the United States, but I happened to have been in Jerusalem and he sent me to oldest working mikvah in the whole city of Jerusalem. And it was this ancient place. It was really cool, but it's a spiritual bath. So it's like, it's a way to um, release negative energy, right? It, it's a ritualistic way from a religious standpoint. So that's why he, what he was saying about spiritual purity. It's a way, you know, some people will use sage around their house. Have you heard of that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sage or Palo Santo. Like there's these spiritual ways to like clear your your energetic space. Right. And so, um, so yeah, he wanted me to like just maintain a very pure connection between me and God whenever I helped someone. And in order to maintain that pure connection, I had to make sure I had worked on myself and there was no interference in the connection to being able to help someone. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And I can see now what he meant. So your ability to see and hear a broad spectrum of information might sound weird to some people, but yet you have found embracing this side of yourself has been a good business move. So what advice would you give about embracing aspects of ourselves that others might not understand? Yeah. You know what? I think it takes a lot more effort and comes across like disingenuous if we pretend to be someone we're not, like with a client. If I went and pretended to be more like an accountant, I would be nervous that I was forgetting something or doing something wrong. It's almost like you're playing a part and you have the potential to forget your line. And there's that anxiety. And that comes across, you know, when you're working with a client and they all, there's something off and they don't feel good around you. They don't feel like they can be honest and open and who they are. But yeah, I would say don't focus on what you don't have and what you're not in like these personality or, you know, these extra abilities for those people who have these abilities to tap in, but use them for good, you know, use it like the force. <laughs> you know, because you can use it for yourself, you to to stay centered and strong and aligned with your own truth all the time. Because when you are, you can choose work situations that are aligned with your highest purpose more of the time. And then you're happier at work rather than like trying to bend into a pretzel and accommodate a client who's always going to be questioning you and not sure you're a good, you know, fit. Right. That's- exactly. Exactly. Hmm. All right. So going to go into a little different space. So we're going to talk about emotions for a second, because emotions are contagious. Yet we both know that we as women can be emotional creatures. So how can we shield ourselves from the emotions of others so they don't take us off track? So I would say the absolute number one way to do that is by building a sense of self-awareness, because sometimes we can get entangled in other people's lives and other people's feelings and feel like we caused like them to get mad. That's a boundaryless space. (laughs) It's hard to disentangle from that. So I think, you know, building a really strong sense of self and self-awareness to be able to recognize and instead of entangling in other people's emotional states, um, start to observe them as if you're watching a TV show or a billboard right? That's passing by like, oh, Bill is feeling anger. Okay. You know, maybe Bill needs to like quiet himself and get recentered before we continue this conversation. 
And then I'm going to go off and do something else. Like I, I don't need to entangle or feel like I caused someone's emotional state. Because if you have like 50 bills and they all had like a different, you know, a different morning routine and some of them fought with their child that morning and some of them had, you know, a great date last night and they all had different contexts, different environmental contexts, internal and external. They come and they are faced, you know, with the exact same situation. All 50 of them are going to have different reactions. None of them have anything to do with me. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And and then what I want to I want to go a little bit deeper on this because you made the comment that if someone is in an emotional state, that we need to recognize that that is that we're not necessarily the cause of that. I see women do this a lot, and I've seen this in myself at times. How do we as women keep from taking that blame on ourselves for someone else's emotional state, even if maybe we were part of the cause? Yeah. It's interesting. There are certain types who who are more inclined to do this and others who are less inclined. So if you are primary wood or water type, you are much less inclined to do this. Um, Fire, earth and metal types are more inclined to get entangled in the personal interactions and the blame and those the feeling states. And so my advice would be try to build the water and wood aspects of your life more. Build more of that muscle so that you rely less heavily on the emotional entanglement stuff that comes natural to the other three types. Wood behaviors, and these are mind, body, spirit practices. So wood behaviors revolve around physical movement. So move, like if you starting to feel those emotions you know, and those thoughts like, oh, this is my fault, creep up, say like, oh my gosh, excuse me, I need, I forgot something. I got to go, you know, take a walk around the block and just move your body. Because when you move your body, you move your emotions. You can't sit, get stuck in an emotional state when your body is moving. You can also change your temperature. Actually, you can't go into a, a big anxiety moment if you're cold. So like keep if now it depends where you are. And if you have access to this one, if it's cold outside, you go outside or you can keep like an orange in the freezer and like just grab it put on the back of your neck. The emotional state goes down. And so your emotional reactivity will be lessened in those states. Water. Listen to some classical music. Water is about listening and getting quiet and pausing. It's about meditation, imagination. It's about creativity, fantasy. It's about reading something that has nothing to do with the problem. It's escape. It's like moving away from the intensity and just going into like, imagine you were just going to float for a minute in the ocean. Like it's that kind of feeling. So, you know, if someone has either a meditation app that they could listen to on their walk while they're just walking slowly around the block to move themselves away from the situation, um, light a candle, like just like candle gaze. You could do a breath work routine. Um, A lot of it has to do with like building those muscles that remind us that we aren't actually the emotion. We aren't actually that entangled experience with, you know, the interaction. That's just like three of five skills we have, five ways we can grow. And when we over-focus on it, we do get more entangled in it. And that means that we need to build those wood and water skills. Carrie, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? 
what I've decided over these years of ups and downs and uh, disappointments and growth periods is that it's we're constantly in growth phases. We're always growing. That's the one thing that you can guarantee that change and growth is like always happening. And sometimes it feels great and sometimes don't feel so great. (laughs) But I would say the one thing that has really helped me thrive through those ups and downs is building a growth mindset, like a hundred percent. What I mean is being able to take obstacles as invitations to explore potential rather than reacting to them. Like we need the discomfort. The discomfort is our teacher. You know, that's a growth mindset perspective. So that's what I would, I would say has been like my important discovery over the past few years. So don't, don't push away discomfort, but welcome it, which is hard to do sometimes, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's not easy, but it's definitely like it has allowed me to improve relationships, improve my work, be be happier, be more balanced, right? Be healthy, Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Carrie, you have been wonderful. Thank you for taking time to come and share your wisdom. Uh, good luck on your book that is being just doing great. You want to tell the audience what the name of your book is? Yeah, my book is The Five Archetypes, and it's a whole exploration of these five ways we interact with our stress and our strength and how to be amazing at every relationship. Yeah, and I wanted to bring that up because you referenced several things in it. So if anyone wants to know more, they can go pick that up. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Annette. This is super fun. And Carrie is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds. 